when I say America, I see reality stars trying to run away from reality. See, everything is hidden underneath the truth. Welcome to Things Just Got Spicy, the all-inclusive political poetry podcast on Allegheny College's campus in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Every other week, we will discuss current and ongoing political, social, and economic issues. Each hot topic will be followed by a poem, written and performed by the week's special guest. My name is Bintu Fofana, and I'm your host. This week's hot topic contains a new segment on things just got spicy. The International Voices segment will feature international students who are visiting the United States and their American experience. Our special international guest to discuss the American experience from an outsider's perspective is an international student from Zimbabwe. This international student is currently the president of the Model United Nations Society, a member of the Global Citizen Scholar Program here on Allegheny College's campus, and a resident advisor. This Global Citizen Scholar is proud to be the founder of a non-governmental organization that focuses on breaking gender barriers and giving women opportunities. This organization, although small, has impacted over 40 young girls by raising over $1,000 and sending them back to school. Please give a warm welcome to Rotendo Movanga. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here with you to discuss my experience. And yeah, I'm really happy to be here. And we are very excited to have you on the show. Before we begin our discussion about your poem, please inform our listeners about your journey coming to America and your background story. Yeah, so thank you so much for that question. So my journey to America basically started in uh, 2020, mid-COVID-19 pandemic, when the world was really in a state of confusion and we really didn't know what was going on and what you know, tomorrow was going to bring. So that being said, my journey started off on a Zoom screen because I wasn't able to fly all the way out here because I wasn't able to get a visa. And of course, the flights weren't even taking place. Um, but by the time that I did arrive, I would say that it was very interesting. I was able to visually place all the perceptions that I had in mind about how American people are, about how American life is. Um, And I was also able to get to know my peers on a better level, get to know my professors on a better level. I would say that being online as an international student, trying to figure out what it means to live in America and what that future would mean for me was extremely difficult because it's not everybody that felt comfortable to build a relationship with you online. So um, I can say with that experience, it was it was a little bit standoffish, but by the time that I arrived, I had a much more enlightening experience and I I got to meet more people that were able to relate and were very understanding of my circumstances and um, basically my journey here so yeah. When you wrote your poem The Real Africa how did you approach it and what was your thought process? When I wrote that poem I guess I was trying to depict the negative things 
the negative perceptions that a lot of Americans have about Africa, mainly because of what they see on the media. And then I also tried to show my perspective on Africa as a fellow African. But then I also wanted to flip all the amazing things that America tells the world about America. But I also wanted to show the reality of some of the negative things that they don't show us on the media and whatnot. So I just tried to make it as balanced as possible and just to provide as many nuances and to show that, you know, we don't all know the truth about the places that we visit or the places that we study and just try to give a more holistic perspective to the readers or whoever is going to see that poem. The real Africa. When I say Africa, you think of a country submerged under poverty and hunger. When I say Africa, I think of a continent home to different languages, cultures, and identities. When I say Africa, you think of shanty towns filled with dirt and disease. When I say Africa, I think of a land filled with African giants, mansions, and millionaires that roam the African soil. When I say Africa, you think of a cancerous mass on the face of the earth. When I say Africa, I think of where my roots take hold and don't let go. But when you say America, you say land of the American dream. But when I say America, I see division. I see voices trying to be heard. But when you say America, you say Hollywood, land of the rich and famous. But when I say America, I see reality stars trying to run away from reality. See, everything is hidden underneath the truth. So when you look at me, I hope you see my ancestors who blessed me with purity and love. So when you look at me, I hope you see a land filled with hospitality and warmth. So when you look at me, I hope you see the calmness and serenity of the Nile River. So when you look at me, I hope you see the meaning of African excellence. So when you look at me, I hope you see the real Africa. I think this is a powerful poem, and I'm sure our listeners could agree. But what I'm curious to know is, when you first arrived to the United States and told people you were from Africa, what was their initial reaction? Is this the reaction you expected? Yeah, I guess I can say that the reaction is what I expected. I, till this day, really receive a lot of naive questions about how I managed to get here. Um, some people think that, you know, Africa doesn't have any sort of decent transport and there's no way that I could have flown here and probably, you know, walked or swam or did something outrageous to get here. Stuff that, you know, it it sounds funny, but it's from their perspective, they, they say it in a way that it seems so so unfathomable to so unfathomable to them that you know there is actually development in Africa there are real things to where I'm from so yeah I did receive a lot of um, interesting questions but one thing that I noticed is that um, a lot of Americans uh, they hadn't traveled outside of the country so most of them were pretty interested to understand my culture, understand where I was coming from and tried to place themselves in there in my shoes, um, which was uh, pretty heartwarming to experience. But like I said, 
there are some people who just could not even fathom the reality of someone, you know, being able to come to the States because I... This is going to sound a little bit harsh, but I think a lot of Americans live in a bubble and believe that America is the only place in the world and anything outside of America is it's non-existent. It's, it's a dead zone. But no, there's a lot of life out there. There's a lot of great things out there. And I think if you take the time to just listen and read and, you know, Look at a different perspective here and there. You will learn a lot. You develop a lot. So, yeah, that's that's my take on that. I think the reason why some Americans find it hard to believe that an African got on a plane to get to the United States instead of walking or swimming across an ocean is because of how Africa is portrayed in the media. And this is a reoccurring theme. This is also something we discussed in the first episode of the International Voices segment. In the media, Africa is portrayed as poor, as these people have nothing or there are no houses and infrastructure, so people are fighting off wild animals to get food or to harvest their farms. And as you said, if you don't leave the country or if you are living in a bubble, you will never know what the rest of the world is like. I think this is a dangerous mindset or thing to have because you don't understand how other people are living and you don't understand the reality of the world because you are in your own bubble. You become blind to reality. And in a way, this says a lot about American media. American media does not always give a balanced perspective and it doesn't always show people the beautiful side of Africa. Unfortunately, This is not only happening in America. Sometimes this occurs in other nations as well. For example, when certain media outlets were giving news coverage about the current war in Ukraine, journalists would say, oh, this is not a third world country. This is not Africa or this isn't the Middle East. This shouldn't be happening here. And that says a lot about how people around the world view Africans and Africa. Yeah, yeah. I really do agree with you. And like you said, with that lack of perspective, you can you can tell the way how someone speaks to you and you can tell their their lack of knowledge from that. I'm not expecting everyone to pinpoint exactly um where Zimbabwe is on the map and tell me all about my country's history and my country's heritage. I'm not expecting that, but it's just interesting to know that from the people that actually come from Zimbabwe or any other country in Africa for that matter, the amount of depth and knowledge that they have about the world and America and Europe and Asia and Australia is insurmountable. It's it's amazing to even fathom the amount of intellect that they've gained about the rest of the world despite them living in, you know, this country. But it seems like Americans, they they just only know America. And I get it. America has a lot of advantages and there's a lot of good things that are, that are going for them. So it's like, if you have everything, then why would you go somewhere else? But I think it's not just about that. It's just stepping outside of your comfort zone and experiencing what life is like for others that makes life worth living, you know? And the reason why Americans only know American history is because of the American education system. From K to 12, 
you are only taught American history. And something I noticed when I transferred high schools from a city high school in Philadelphia to a suburban high school in King of Prussia is that sophomores in the city high schools would take AP World History, while sophomores in the suburban high school would take AP European History. I thought this was very interesting, and it made me look at the demographics of each school. One school was majority African American, while the other was majority white. Based on the location and geography of each school, students were offered different classes. And this could also be due to the resources the school has. But I think no matter what school you attend, you should have the opportunity to take a class that will teach you about the world and world history. To learn about how other people live and to learn about something other than American history. History will always be looked at differently by who's teaching it or by who's interpreting that part of history. For example, how 9-11 is taught in the United States may be drastically different to how it's taught in Zimbabwe or other nations. It is fascinating to see how we teach history in the United States. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think even if you are learning about that history, it's important that you're looking at it from different sides. Because when I was studying um, the war that took place uh, with Vietnam and the intervention of the United States, we looked at it from different perspectives. So from the United States perspective, it was more of, you know, this country is being hostile to us. They're trying to, you know, be aggressive and use all of these tactics to defeat us. But then from the Vietnamese perspective, it was more of we're trying to preserve our land. You know, we've been invaded. We are the victims here. So let's bond together and use our resources to basically fight for our lives. So regardless of what you're learning, which perspective are you being taught? And is it is it nuanced? Does it allow you to look at it from different lenses? And if not, challenge that challenge your professors or your teacher and you know stir up a conversation and ask but isn't there another side to this i agree but i think sometimes in schools we are not always told or taught that we can challenge our teachers or professors sometimes as students we are afraid to truly speak our mind because we don't want it to negatively affect our grades we don't want our grade to reflect our opinions We want our grade to reflect how hard we work in the class and how well we do on the exams. And I'm not saying that it's like this in every class or every school, but I think it says a lot about how free thinking is viewed in the United States. From the educational system that I came from, it was not that we weren't allowed to question our teachers or oppose our teachers, but it was more of you were fed what you were taught and there was always room for that but I think maybe it's because I'm now on a college level there is more liberty to you know question what you're being taught and you know challenge your professors and really think deeper than what's on the surface because there's there's always a different perspectives there's always more truth to what we're being taught, regardless of if it's history, if it's if it's maths or something, there's always a different way to look at it. And this is exactly why this podcast exists, for people to learn about different perspectives and to learn about how other people are living and to hear about other people's opinions 
and learn how they view certain aspects of the United States and the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's pale. <laughs> it's pale. How did you learn about America in Zimbabwe? In other words, how is American history taught? And how does this affect the Zimbabwean view of America? So with regards to how the educational system depicts America, it's entirely dependent on if your school is willing to provide that course. Um, And obviously, if there's professors who are experienced within that region who want to teach that. I guess because they are just reading off of, you know, whoever published those books, it's very it's very standard. You just you're just feeding into whatever you hear. There's there's no there's no nuances with regards to, you know, understanding how America works and the revolutions and stuff like that. But I guess I can speak more on a media perspective because I studied more European history than American history. And with regards to the media, from all we've ever seen from back home is it's just the good things about America, you know? It's it's really been depicted as this country of excellence, of this as this country of uh, you know, dominance and where all your dreams can come true. And occasionally here and there, I think after, you know, COVID nineteen, that's when we started to see the bad things that were happening in America, like, you know, the George Floyd incident and other situations revolving around that matter, um, people started to see a different side of America on the media that was completely covered. And I think for me, that was more enlightening because I felt like I now knew the truth because it, it seemed too good to be true. Everything just seemed like you come and you get a house and you get a job and you get a this and you get a that. And it's in any country, it's never, it, that's never the case. So um, I I appreciate um, the, the depth that the COVID-19 pandemic brought to the world and the media as a whole, because we got to, we got to see a different light of what, you know, America and the rest of the world was trying to stray us away from. I think no matter what country you are living in, there needs to be a balance. People need to learn about the good and the bad of each country, including their own. And it may hurt to acknowledge that your country has its bad sides, but I think awareness of these issues is what will make your nation better. For instance, if you are living in a community that has a lot of issues, but no one wants to acknowledge these issues and accept the reality, how can you make your community better? And how can you improve your living standard if you don't even want to acknowledge that there is a problem? That is very true. But I think we also need to acknowledge that it's difficult to, you know, step outside of that perspective and, you know, be critical of our surroundings, be critical of our country, because... What I've noticed here especially is that a lot of people are very patriotic. They love their country from beginning to end. They would they would vote for their country. And it's, it's very honorable and inspiring to notice. But that also creates a huge fault on the citizens' parts because 
when it comes down to trying to fix the bad, no one's going to acknowledge that there's bad things happening. For example, if there's racism happening in this country, because of this, you know, long-held patriotism, no one's going to be like, oh yeah, there is racism, let's actually fix this. People will be like, but racism, racism doesn't exist. If it didn't, then all these great things wouldn't be happening. So it's just one of those things where amidst all the good i've noticed that it's very difficult for people to step outside and actually critique themselves and be like but we're lagging behind on this i understand what you mean by that and i understand that it may be difficult for some people to step outside of their own perspective and world to criticize their country but i think it's something that needs to be done and just because it is hard does not mean that it should be an excuse For me personally, I love the United States as a country that I immigrated to, and I love my home country of Mali, but I am not willing to let my love cloud my judgment for what is either good or bad about both of my countries. So I think people need to start learning how to do that, and people need to start being critical of their nation or nations. And just because you don't want to accept the reality of the situation doesn't mean that it's not going to be there. Those issues will always be there unless you do something about it. If you want your country to be better, you have to be critical. And we need to start teaching people how to look at both sides, the good and the bad. Just because it's difficult does not mean it should be an excuse. Life is difficult. Yeah, that is very true. I think you've said it perfectly, and the more people can do that, I don't want to say that it's going to end all of our problems, but it's definitely going to start the conversation that we, we need to have that people have been ignoring for years and years and years. And like you said, I appreciate a lot of things about the United States, but I also acknowledge a lot of things that the country has just failed and the country has not... Um, successfully acknowledged uh likewise my own country there's a lot of things that they haven't been able to do but there's a lot of things that i can still proudly say that i'm zimbabwean because of this reason so being able to do that it it will start a conversation that is is more positive than we can even imagine it would be when you first arrived to the united states what were some of the biggest culture shocks you experienced Oh, that is, that's a fun question. Just really how quick and developed everything was. It was overwhelming, I guess, to be able to transition from one point to the next point so quickly, so smoothly with no complications. It was also nice, but I would say as someone who had zero to no experience on how that system works, it was also very overwhelming to try and navigate my way around but one thing that I'm still really shocked by and um, tried to come to terms with is just how liberal and the beliefs that people have back home in Zimbabwe I guess I can only speak for the people that I'm surrounded by but everyone has just been pretty conservative in nature but here you you find people expressing themselves to the fullest in ways that it might even make the person uncomfortable 
the person that they're sitting next to uncomfortable, but they're still going to do it because it's their right. They're expressing themselves the way how they want to. So also coming to that person's like level of understanding and how they view life has been interesting and difficult because that's that's something that I've never really had to fathom fully at its fullest. Um, I've acknowledged it as I've traveled, but it was only for a period of two weeks and then I would go back to my conservative upbringing. But now that, you know, I go to school, living and stuff like that, it's something that um, I would say that it's been a hard pill to swallow because as much as I've had to understand a lot of people's liberal attitudes and beliefs, some people also haven't been as understanding of my conservative attitudes and beliefs in return. So it's it's been interesting to try figure out where I stand in this very free land and also try to make sure that I don't lose myself because considering that I'm in college, I think this is a time where everybody's trying to explore and see new things, but I have a lot of things that I have learned and I have appreciated that have formed the basis of the woman that I am today. And I would not want to lose that. I see no use in losing that right now because of um, how long my parents and my community have spent so long trying to um, build me. So with that, it has been pretty challenging seeing all these new things and experiencing all these new things at the same time and remembering who I am. Something I noticed with international students and students who come from immigrant families who are in college is that they struggle a lot with identity. And part of the reason why is you go from living in a bubble in a space and environment that you've become very used to to living on a college campus where there is no one telling you when to do your laundry or to do your homework. With that much freedom, it makes you question your values, your morals, who you are, and who you want to become. And yes, this is something every student can and will go through. But I think international students and students who come from immigrant families experience this from a different perspective and on a different level. Every student will go through a moment in their life where they question who they are, and some may feel as though they're going through an identity crisis because they have so much freedom. If you really think about it, it's almost like you went from zero to 100. You came from an environment that may have been heavily controlled to an environment where no one is watching you, and you have to start looking out for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And like as you said, with that freedom, it comes with so many opportunities to explore and experience and without a doubt you will see things that you never thought that you would see in your life and you know you have to take it with a grain of salt when you experience or you're in those positions are you experiencing it um, and taking note because you have decided that this is something that you'd be interested in participating in or you're taking, you're experiencing it and taking note note in it in the sense that you are just going to watch from a distance. You're just going to admire and move on. So I think, I think, as you said, like everyone experiences this. Um, 
obviously as an international student, it comes in bigger waves because you're by yourself uh, most of the time and you don't really have that direct support or that direct family that you can remind yourself that this is who I am. But yeah, the experience should, in a sense, ground who you are and sort of give you some clarity. So I guess the advice, if anyone was to ask me for advice with how to handle an identity crisis as an international student in college, I would just say, remember who you are. Remember why you came here in the first place. You know, you're not the same as someone who lives three hours away. You know, you you have different goals. You, You came from a different background. And those teachings and knowledge that you learn from back home should always be sentiments that you think of at the end of your day. What is one takeaway from your experience living in America? I think, like I said earlier on, remembering who you are, it is okay to be different. It is okay to stand out and have a different story. That's what makes you unique. And in those situations, own it, you know, don't back down. There's I feel like these days, so many carbon copies where we have been trained by social media or whatever influences it is to, you know, be the same, to act the same, to dress the same, to talk the same. And it makes life a little bit boring. So the fact that you have a different heritage, a different story, you speak different is perfectly fine. No one should bring you down for that. No one should put you in a position where you feel as if it brings you no value or it brings you no purpose to this crazy world that we live in. It actually adds value to you and it and it makes you more unique than anyone else. So yeah, that's my biggest takeaway of being here. Whoa, things just got spicy. That's all for this week's episode. I hope we've encouraged you to think deeper and to look at other perspectives. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to follow us on Instagram at TJGSpicy. This is the last episode of season two. I hope you've enjoyed every episode of this season and thank you all for your endless support. Stay tuned for upcoming announcements and see you soon.